Welcome to the Chrisman Commentary Daily Mortgage News Podcast. I'm your host, Robbie Chrisman. Topics on today's episode include the cost of credit, my interview with Think Mortgage's Anthony Foca on how mortgage originators are winning business in a tough rate environment, and how the conflict between Israel and Hamas continues to influence rate movement. Today's podcast is brought to you by Encino, maker of the Encino Mortgage Suite, built for the modern mortgage lender. The Encino Mortgage Suite's three core products, Encino Mortgage, Encino Incentive Compensation, and Encino Mortgage Analytics, unite the people, systems, and stages of the mortgage process. See how Encino can support a homeownership journey that both your borrowers and your team will love at Encino.com. What do you call a bovine with a stutter that makes chocolate milk? Cacao. Speaking of sweets, hats off to Bites Booth at the conference for dishing out some amazing s'mores brownies here in Philadelphia. They'll be my breakfast on the train up to New York this morning. The brownies are sweeter than the upcoming credit report cost increases. There's definitely a shift to lenders having borrowers pay for credit reports up front, not eating the cost of reports run on loans that don't fund. The search by IMBs for HELOCs and seconds and jumbo outlets, the talk of distant future early payoff penalties when rates decide to drift down, and continued overpacity and cost cutting until then. That said, there is good news for existing homeowners trying to build net worth. House prices hit another peak in September per one measure. Oh, and one other quick note from earlier this week. Remember how I had Fairway Independence CEO Steve Jacobson on in an interview in Monday denying industry? Rumors about cross-country buying Fairway Independent? Well, movement Sarah Middleton, who has been accused of propelling those rumors, sent in a note to the commentary denying it all. For the link to that story, as well as the latest employment opportunities, lender and vendor products and services, visit robchrisman.com. For today's interview, I wanted to welcome onto the show Think Mortgage's Anthony Foca to talk about how originators are winning business in a tough rate environment. He started his own brokerage back almost 20 years ago and has a pretty good ear to the streets when it comes to what's going on out there for originators. Uh, I, I always like hearing from those on the origination side of the business and uh, to kind of hear what's going on in the trenches and, and their uh, trials and tribulations. So how did you originally get into the business? I know you've been in it for a while now, but how did you originally get in? So I started in the mortgage business in 2005. I originally started as a client. I was buying investment properties, fixing them and reselling them. And back then, you didn't need a license to originate mortgages. And every time I went to a mortgage guy, I got quoted one number, but the day of closing, I was presented with something different. So back then, there was a lot of bait and switch. My background was finance and accounting, and I said, how hard could it possibly be to do mortgages? Little did I know. So I started originating the mortgages for my own properties, and that's how it all started. After that, friends and families approached me and said, hey, can you help us with our mortgage? Uh, so then I decided to open up my own small little broker shop. And here we are almost 20 years later, and I'm still in the mortgage business. Well, it would seem that winning business these days is a little harder than your friends and family picking up the phone and saying, oh, I need a mortgage. It's, it's tough out there for people. So uh, I guess bluntly put, how are you stirring up business in this environment? So the market is very difficult. The, the interesting part of this is it's very similar to the 
decrease in volume that we went through in 2008. So 2008, there was a financial crash. Volumes went down to almost nothing. And unfortunately, many companies did not survive. There was lots of mergers. Um, we survived that. So we're surviving this, but it's very difficult. So what we're seeing now, the current trends are mostly first-time home buyers. So people who are of the age where they need to kind of get out on their own. They don't want to rent, uh, especially in the Northeast. Rent is almost as much as a mortgage these days. So we're getting a lot of first-time home buyers. And we're also seeing a lot of self-employed folks. And these folks are using the non-QM slash DSCR products where it's a bank statement type loan or a debt service type loan. We're seeing a lot of that origination happening in now as well. Well, I do want to talk about DSCR loans at some point, so maybe now is a good a, as good a time as ever. Can you give people a background on DSCR loans, uh, how they're originated, and, and why uh, that's been popular in this environment? Yeah, so the DSCR loan, it's basically a debt service loan, so the property is generating the income to make its monthly mortgage payments. So almost every time a DSCR loan is originated, it's typically for an investment property. So an investor is buying a property and renting it, and it's usually multiple units, so there's multiple streams of income coming in. Typically with a DSCR loan, it's a, it's a bigger down payment, so 25 to 30% down, usually makes the math work, and then the rental income supports the monthly mortgage payment. So the, the underwriter doesn't need to source any income from the owner of the property. They're basically looking at the income that the property generates, and as long as that income is sufficient enough to make the monthly mortgage payments, the loans get approved, and they typically close in a much quicker fashion because we're just looking at bank statements and the income generated from the property rather than the traditional tax returns and W-2s. And in addition to DSCR loans, you mentioned non-QM. What's really been kind of the savior for originators out there? Has it been those two products? What, what else is getting originated? Yeah, those are the two products that we're seeing the most volume happening in right now. There's, there's a shortage of homes in America. So the DFCR and the non-QM products are taking uh, vacant land and building to create new housing stock, or they're taking old expired housing stock that the next generation of home buyers doesn't want and they're either renovating it or they're knocking it down to create new inventory. So one of the problems in the real estate and mortgage industry is the lack of inventory. So we have an inventory problem and an interest rate problem, and the DSCR is addressing both of those issues. So I want to talk about you being on the broker side of things here, and I guess I would assume there's pros and cons to you running your own business. Do you, are you <laughs> in this type of environment, are you happy you run your own business or are you kind of ruining that fact and, and wishing you were collecting checks from a, uh, you know, a, a W2 for a company? Uh, it's an interesting scenario. So for me, I've been self-employed since 2005, so we're approaching almost 20 years now. So it's hard to mentally think back to, you know, when I did work for someone else. Um, but because our company has grown, we operate as a bit of a hybrid, so we broker some loans and we bank most of our loans now. We went from one state, just New York, to uh, 20 states uh, currently, and we're, we've recently applied for four more states. So in theory, by the end of this year, we'll be servicing about half of the country. 
And we've grown from one loan officer, which was basically myself, to a sales team of about 85 originators. Uh, so as the company has grown, it's a slow, steady process. So I think I'm very happy with what's happened. Um, it, it was obviously not an overnight success. It took a long time for us to get here. And we're hoping to continue to build and grow and capture some more market share in the down market. So eventually, when the inventory of new homes is available, start to increase and interest rates start to decrease. And we see volumes tick up. Our company can take advantage of that. I was going to say, holy smokes, 85 people is a big staff to be running. And so I, I think you're probably a good person uh, whose brain I should pick on what's, what's going on on the recruiting side of things when it comes to picking up LOs. What's the latest chatter in that space? It's very interesting to discuss this with uh, my fellow IMB members. So everyone who owns an independent mortgage bank, the smaller mom-and-pop banks, mortgage banks in America, we all sort of work together and we communicate through different networks, one of them being uh, TMC, which is the Mortgage Collaborative. So there's a lot of open communication, and everyone's very open, open and honest about their current situations. And unfortunately, a lot of the folks who are running mortgage banks right now are struggling. They're very top-heavy, lots of expenses from additional staff that came on during 2020 and 2021 when we had that big refinance boom. Um, there's a lot of office space that people are paying for rental uh, on a monthly basis that's not being used because of the increase in technology and because of COVID and the work from home craze. So a lot of these companies are struggling. Unfortunately, most companies in the mortgage industry are losing money right now. And as a result, there's been a lot of chatter about mergers and acquisitions where some smaller companies are trying to team up and maybe uh, eliminate some expenses and through merger hope to stay alive to make it through to the other side you know, we're all hoping that in the spring of 2024, interest rates start to ease a little bit and some of that volume picks up. But unfortunately, it doesn't seem like everyone's going to be able to make it through the winter. How do you expect that the industry will evolve from here? Or where do you think the industry is headed? Because obviously 2023 has kind of been the year of AI. That's, kind of, that's the buzzword or machine learning or automation, those sorts of things. How do you think the industry evolves from where we are right now? That's a very interesting question. There's a lot that's going on in our industry. Um, for the last two or three years, there was a big push with technology, um, automating a lot of what happens in the origination and underwriting process of a mortgage. I do feel that the general public still wants that live person, that licensed loan officer they can actually call and have a discussion with and, and answer questions because this is generally the largest purchase that most people will make in their lifetime, and it's scary. So having that, that voice, someone who knows the answers and can help walk them through, I think is going to continue to remain relevant. But as the technology improves, there's a lot of opportunity for companies to take advantage with uh, the digital marketing, with the communication with customers, with ChatGPT, uh, and all of that is going to hopefully streamline the mortgage process to some degree help to reduce the cost to originate a loan. It's very expensive to originate a loan, and unfortunately, most companies are currently losing money on every loan they originate. So the hope is the technology, as it gets implemented over the next few years, reduces the cost, 
but I don't think it's going to necessarily eliminate the human capital. Most people still want to deal with a live person when it comes to purchasing a home. And I agree with you there. I think there's always going to be a relationship side to this industry. So let's let's close by uh, giving a good use case, though, for AI. And that is continuing education. I know for brokers, LOs, those in the industry, it's it can be a drag or they can spend days and days or weeks and weeks, depending on what states you have your licenses in, doing it every January or November or whenever they get it done. Do you think AI can be used for continuing education? <laughs> Uh, I'm not sure how AI can be useful for continuing education other than helping to streamline the class and maybe doing some of it online. Uh, I know a lot of folks still go to a physical location to attend a seminar or a training class. Um, we've slowly transitioned from physically attending to actually doing a lot of our uh, continuing education online, and that has helped us. And there are some companies that will help manage that process so that we have 85 loan officers that need to get continuing licensing and continuing education in a very, you know, variety of states. And it's very difficult to keep track of that. So getting a dashboard that tells us which uh, states each loan officer is licensed in and how much of that continuing education they've completed definitely does to help us as the parent company. uh, And it helps us stay on top of it and remind them but unfortunately, as much as we push every year, there's always a few that slip through the cracks, and some folks will either temporarily lose a license in the state or all of their licenses because of that failure to renew. So um, to some degree, I think AI uh, and the, the, the new technology will help with that by automating some of that and, and helping to do it online or at home environment rather than attending a class. But unfortunately, at the end of the day, it's still the responsibility of the individual loan originators to sit and attend the, the classes either physically or virtually. Um, but I think the virtual process is going to eventually eliminate most of the physical need to go to a class. Anthony, very well put. I really enjoyed this and, and wish you the best of luck out there. It's always nice to hear what's going on from the origination side of things. So thank you very much, sir. Thank you, my friend. Have a great day. Amongst diplomatic efforts to prevent the Israel-Hamas war from becoming a regional conflict, U.S. Treasuries produced fresh 2023 closing highs in yields on all tenors yesterday, and a 23-year high in the case of the two-year note. Spreads widened again, as the UMBS 30 basis strongly underperformed benchmarks following hotter-than-expected data, including retail sales and industrial production. Retail sales came in stronger than expected in September, rising 0.7% month-over-month and 3.8% year-over-year. However, these numbers are not inflation-adjusted and are closer to flat on an adjusted basis. If you strip out vehicles and gas, retail sales rose 0.6% month-over-month and 4% year-over-year. Total industrial production increased 0.3% month-over-month in September when it was expected to remain flat. The capacity utilization rate jumped to 79.7%, in line with its long-run average. Manufacturing output remains soft and is likely to remain under added pressure as the UAW strike at the big three automakers drags on. Today's calendar kicked off with news that mortgage applications decreased 6.9% from one week earlier, according to data from the Mortgage Bankers Association's Weekly Mortgage Application Survey for the week ending October 13th. We'll also receive housing starts and building permits for September, a treasury auction of $13 billion of reopened 20-year notes, 
Remarks from Fed Governor Waller, New York Fed President Williams, Fed Governor Bowman, Philadelphia Fed President Harker, and Fed Governor Cook. Before the Fed's latest beige book is released in the afternoon, ahead of the November 1st FOMC meeting. In the very early going, agency MBS prices are roughly unchanged from Tuesday afternoon and the 10 years yielding 4.85 after closing last night at 4.85%. Let's wrap up with a joke and some housekeeping. Did you hear about the explosion at the French cheese factory? There was debris everywhere. Thanks again to today's podcast sponsor, Encino, maker of the Encino Mortgage Suite. With three products tailored to the needs of the modern mortgage lender, Encino Mortgage, Encino Incentive Compensation, and Encino Mortgage Analytics, they're empowering institutions to unite the people, systems, and stages of the mortgage process. If you have any questions about the podcast or sponsoring opportunities, send me an email at robbie at robchrisman.com. Visit robchrisman.com for more information on our industry partners, access to archived commentaries, and how to subscribe to the daily mortgage news and commentary. To listen to or download past episodes of this podcast, search Mortgage News on any platform you get your podcast from.